Hello, hello, and welcome to Out of the Box Judaism, a podcast for unpacking Jewish tradition and heritage and finding the gems in there that are meaningful to you today. I'm Esther Goldenberg, a life and spirituality coach, author, educator, and mom to two great kids who fill my life with love and laundry and inspire me to see miracles every day. I created this podcast to help shine the light on the wisdom, power, and connection that I see in Jewish traditions and customs, and of course, the Torah. That said, all belief systems are welcome here, Jewish and otherwise. And if Jewish, it is my belief that you can do Judaism exactly the way that is right for you, in your own ever-evolving life and journey, which is exactly what I do. In these episodes, I share with you some of what Judaism has to offer me, and my wish for you is that you will find the gems that it has for you. Hi there, and welcome to episode number 20 of the Out of the Box Judaism podcast. This is Esther Goldenberg, and I have an interview for you today with my good friend, Kathy Pugh. Kathy is a running coach and a holistic health coach, and she and I had a great conversation about a whole lot of things, actually. And rather than telling you about it, I'm just going to let you listen. So here's Kathy. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I know we didn't really talk about this in advance. Um, I have a little bit of an agenda, but nothing, of course, that you can't answer because okay. I asked you here on purpose, knowing who you are. And I already introduced you a bit to um, the listeners, but would you introduce yourself? Because I'm sure that you can give us a more well-rounded and thorough, you know, you don't have to give us a, details of, you know, every moment of your life, but sure. tell us who you are. All right, let's see. So hi, um, thank you, Esther, for having me. I, my name is Kathy Pugh, and I am a holistic health and run coach. I have been doing that for about 10 years. Uh, since after my daughter was born, I got into running after giving birth. I was fat and depressed and needed to do something to get my life back in order. Never liked running, absolutely hated it. Um, but as childbirth and hormones out of whack will do, they'll make you a little crazy. And in a fit of, you know, post, you know, partum, whatever you want to call it, I signed up for the Marine Corps marathon. Um, you know, just kind of did that because I felt like I needed a, a some routine and schedule in my life. Uh, we had moved cross country, so I went from working full time and doing a lot of volunteer work and just lots of activities to all of a sudden being home and having a very wonderful but unpredictable baby. And I was just feeling unmoored and uh, signing up for a marathon seemed like a pretty good goal in terms of uh, something I knew I had to train for and almost treat like a job and have a schedule. And um, so I did that and it completely changed my life. I not only lost the weight, which wound up being such a secondary, third, fourth, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, was the primary goal. But then that just became a side bonus because what it gave me was just basically gave my life back and um, a great, more positive outlook on life and um, made me a better mom, wife, friend, and uh, just 
confidence kind of a thing. So uh, once my daughter uh, was in nursery school, I was ready to go back to work, but not quite full time yet. And um, I was thinking about what to do. And I stumbled upon becoming certified to be a, a run coach. And the woman who hated running uh, was now coaching other people to run. And I always planned that it would just be a little side gig uh, until she went to school full time. And then it just it blossomed. And I do these uh, women's running boot camps, um, group group work, and also one-on-one training. And then I went on to get uh, certified as a health coach with the Institute for integrative nutrition and uh, do health coaching and just kind of take a whole holistic approach to running. My boot camps are called More Than Miles because I think, you know, it's more than miles, more than running. Um, you know, running is, is, is a gift and gives just lessons for life in so many ways. And it's just been what I've been doing now for the last 10 years. I never imagined the woman who hated to run around the corner would be, you know, me doing this. So that's in a nutshell what I'm doing now. I can tell you my last 30 years, but I'm sure everybody doesn't want to hear that right now. <laughs> well, don't tell me now because I have so many questions just based on what you already said. Um, I love that you used to hate running and now you love it and that you help other people love it too. And I feel like there was a pivotal moment maybe from what I heard in your story, first of all, I think it was enormously brave that you said, okay, I'm going to run a marathon. Like that was your first thing. You're not like, I'm going to run around the block or I'm just going to get up on Monday mornings and run, but I'm going to run a marathon. So that was amazingly brave and huge. But I also imagine that you had to do, you even said like this scheduled regimen to prepare the marathon because you can't wake up on a Monday and not be a runner and then on a Tuesday go run a marathon, right? So Most of us can't, yes. <laughs> Especially if you're not a runner already, yes. right? So, so what kind of schedule did you have to maintain in order to um, prepare for that first marathon? So it, it was, um, I, you know, this was actually about almost 13 years ago now that I did that. So I didn't know anything. My husband was a runner. And he just looked like this is another one of my wife's I love Lucy schemes, you know, sort of a thing. And um, I just went on my own, you know, back then I, I Googled online for training programs. I mean, I didn't even realize there were, you know, running groups kind of a thing back then. So we were actually living in Las Vegas at the time, which makes it even crazier because it's really hot there. So that, that you know, I don't know what I was thinking, but I found a program called Jeff Galloway and he is famous for uh, the run walk program. And um, he had an online training program and it was, you know, every day you had something to do and it was very accessible for someone like me who was, you know, a new mom and who was not a runner. Um, where you took these walk breaks and, you know, I ran, I think it was three days during the week. And then on the weekend I did my long runs, you know, so you might do like three, you know, you would build up to three, four miles. And then the long runs when you start out might be, you know, three miles and then it just keeps progressing longer and longer. But that's basically what I did. And I had it in a calendar and it really suited the mindset I was in at the time where I was really craving, um, you know, some schedule and, and, 
um, routine in my life that I had lost from working, you know, in, in, in I was working for the federal government at the time. Uh, but with having a baby, you know, once you get, uh, you figure one thing out, they're on to the next thing. So you, you never get that sense of real routine, right? Like you're up at a certain time, this happens then, this happens at three o'clock, whatever. You know, anyone who's had a baby knows that that just doesn't happen. So it, it really kind of gave me that sense of, you know, kind of anchor in my life of, of normalcy and, you know, structure. And I had it in the calendar and I really did look at it. I don't mean to say I looked at it like a job in a bad way, but I looked at it like, okay, this is what I have to do. This is, you know, I'm going to my meeting basically. And I would, I would do my run. And, um, you know, when she was big enough, I would, I had a jogging stroller and I would bring her with me and it became, you know, not that she could understand me, but it was like, oh, we're going to work today, Ava, you know, kind of a thing. So that I think helped me mentally as well was just kind of having that structure and having that schedule and checking off that box that, you know, yes, I went to work today kind of a thing. Because, you know, sometimes I know people, it sounds like a dream, right, to be able to, to quit your job. And I feel very fortunate I was able to do so. But um, you, you know, the unintended consequence of that was I felt really lost and, um, even, you know, almost like I lost a sense of purpose, even though I did have a purpose in my mind, you know, the old me, I was trying to, to kind of recapture or just, you know, that, that to me was what I had known. So I, you know, very much craved it. <laughs> well, I want to pause here for a second to just point out the fact that this is the out of the box Judaism podcast. And everything that you just said really tied into the reason why I invited you here today. I don't think that you're Jewish. I, well, I know that you're not Jewish. Are you Catholic or? Yeah, I was, I was raised Catholic, but I'm from Brooklyn. So does that count? <laughs> Do I get to be an honorary? You're cultured, honorary right? <laughs> Catholic and cultured. So I asked you here, even though you're not Jewish, which is totally fine, um, because everything that you just talked about with running speaks to me in the same way that a lot of the things in the Torah do, which is that it's about creating meaning from ritual. Yes. Sometimes you are looking for that meaning. And frankly, sometimes it's hard to stick to or even create a ritual, but that when you do, you get this meaning, right? And it's, it's work. Like I imagine when it's like you said, with your job, you'd get up, you'd take your daughter, put her in the stroller and say, we're going to work today, honey. And it and it gives you a sense of purpose. Like now I am doing something meaningful. It's to help my body. It's to help my family, whatever it's for. It's a piece of meaning that humans are always craving meaning, right? Yes. And so um, whether you get that in ritual through um, prayer or ritual through running or ritual through other um, physical activities, whether they're exercise or not exercise, I think it adds such a level of meaning and comfort in your life to be able to develop these rituals. And yet, it sounds like you were very devoted and dedicated to creating this ritual. Was it also easy? You know, it, it really, it wasn't. Because as I mentioned, um, we were living in Las Vegas at the time. So Marine Corps Marathon is in October. I think I started training for this in May. And it gets really hot <laughs> in Vegas, so um, it, 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 there was an extra layer of, of difficulty. I mean, talking about scheduling, I had to get up really early um, as the summer wore on just because of the heat. So I, I definitely was on a schedule, so there was no doubt about it. I couldn't just... Eat, eat, 
decide that, oh, I think I'll do my run at noon today. So it was definitely very structured um, in part due to my daughter's schedule and the weather. So um, yeah, it, it, uh, it, it really became ritual um, in, in a serious way, <laughs> you know, out of necessity. Interesting. And that, I mean, that was like 13 years ago or so, you said. And I know that just a couple of weeks ago, you came back from running the Boston Marathon. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes, I did another extreme uh, go from desert heat to freezing uh, rain. <laughs> so. Not when it's really usually in the spring in Boston, right? It's not usually. No, I, I did it once. This is my second time. I did it once in 2011 and I hesitated to, to do it again. Um, people thought I was crazy that I would even second guess, you know, an opportunity to run in Boston. But in 2011, when I did it, the weather was absolutely perfect. We had a tailwind and I, I ran the best I ever ran. And so this was not quite that experience, but it was actually a, a wonderful experience despite the freezing rain. <laughs> so in the world of marathons, the Boston Marathon is like a really big name. I don't know if prestigious is the right word or not marathon, but for those of us who aren't um, typical marathon runners, can you tell us what sets that one apart from others? Oh, certainly. Um, so the Boston Marathon is very special because A, I believe it is the oldest uh, marathon in, in our country. And it is, uh, you have to qualify for it. So it's basically like the Olympics for runners. Uh, so you have to run a certain time based on your age and gender to gain a spot to run uh, in it. So it's not something that you can just put your name in and sign up and be in a lottery like many other marathons that are, that are like the Marine Corps Marathon, which is wonderful. They call it the People's Marathon because anybody can sign up for it. Um, and, and that's basically, you know, how most races work. But the, the thing that makes, sets Boston apart and makes it so special, it's sort of amongst the running community. It, it just sort of gives you this, you know, credibility that, you know, when you say you've run the Boston Marathon, um, people know that you, that you had to work really hard to get there because you had, you had to earn that spot as opposed to just signing up for it sort of a thing. I see. I see. Well, congratulations again now double because Thank you. <laughs> know how important it is. So now you do running for your own, I imagine, health and fitness and pleasure, but you also help other people to build this routine and build the stamina. And like you said, you're, you do more than miles. Yes. So if I recall correctly, your group meets at an ungodly hour. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the exact time. 5.45 a.m. <laughs> so for anyone to meet you at 5.45 a.m. down on the Washington, D.C. mall, which I imagine is beautiful, actually, and probably not crowded. Right. You, you would be surprised. You know, D.C. is is regularly rated, you know, either number one or in the top five uh, fittest cities in the U.S., you can't believe how many people are out running and, and walking on the mall really? in the morning. Yeah. I mean, it's when, when you don't come from that world, it's quite shocking because, you know, in my previous life, uh, the only reason I would be up at 545 would be if I was still up, not because I was consciously getting up, you know? So it is quite shocking to see how many people voluntarily get up that early. Well, and the fact that they're volunteering to do it, I think speaks volumes about how, what an impact this is on their lives and that the fact that they're choosing it and they're choosing to do this, there must be some sort of payoff 
right, in order for them to do that. I, I agree. I tend to work mostly with women um, and the, my age bracket, I mean, I work with women of all ages and backgrounds, but the, the sweet spot or the, 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 um, the typical, I should say, runner, we don't really have a typical, but I'll try to make it typical, is a woman that's between 35 and 45. She's a mom. She has one to three kids and she's working full time. So uh, that 545 hour, as much as, you know, everybody would like to uh, sleep in and, and you, you know, get that extra time for themselves. If, if they're going to do something for themselves that is just purely for themselves, that doesn't require, you know, kids, husband, partner, whatever, it's like the no excuse hour. It's before everybody else is up and making their demands on you. So it's really for many of these women, it's, it's then it's, it's 545 or bust. Like it's just not going to happen otherwise. Um, you know, in the evening, or even if you try something in the day, meetings come up at work in the evening, kids have activities. So, uh, it, 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 it turns out to be the, the best, as crazy as it sounds, the best time, um, you know, for women to have the time for themselves and to be able to take care of themselves. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, that is, I mean, that, that's a priority. It's an important priority that some of yeah. us don't always put on the top of the list. So that's really good. And it just makes me think about, again, the importance of ritual. You know, as a person who has run on and off myself, um, I still hate it. Right. <laughs> oh, I wish I, you could come down here, Esther. I, I think you'd love it. I promise. <laughs> well, you know, I might love it. Um, once I was there, but like the whole getting up early in order to get down there to make myself run. The truth is I always love having run. Right. Don't love running. I especially hate the beginning of a run. Um, I go on a path that's near my house. That's just so beautiful, really on all four seasons, but especially in the spring when the colors are just starting to come out. And I swear that the color green on a human's eyeballs must be a really healthy thing. I don't, I don't know. I haven't researched it, but when I go there and I'm like looking at all the greenery and it feels so amazing to be out there that it's worth it to make my body do this, to, to like run and um, do that hard work so that I can be out there in the greenery. And then especially it's great afterwards. Right. But right. getting started, it's always that getting started. Do you have any tricks or tips that you use with your clients? I mean, your clients have to meet you there at 545 in the morning. So they must right. have some sort of self-motivation in order to get themselves there. But do you have any tricks or tips that you use with your clients for getting started? Sure. Well, first I will confess. I mean, I don't show up. I mean, it's some, there's some mornings it's a struggle for me too. So I don't go every morning thinking this is the best thing ever. There's some mornings, you know, even as a coach and doing this all the time that it, it's hard for me to, to get up and out there as well, because there are definitely days depending on what's happened in your day that, Oh, it would be so nice to have that extra sleep. I think one of the, the big keys and tips is right. Kind of how I have these groups. Um, and you don't necessarily have to have a group, but it's to have like an accountability partner, um, set a date with someone because you're a lot less likely 
to not show up if you know that someone's depending on you. And even though I have this group, I've had some of the women say to me, because I will say to them, you know, I know I'm here because you're, you're paying me to be here. Because I've always been like, oh, you're so cheerful. You're here. And I said, well, of course I am because I'm not going to be a grump. You're paying me to be here. So what, what good would that be for my business <laughs> if I showed up not, you know, happy and, and present? And, um, but they have said uh, to me that, even though it's a large group and, you know, technically, yes, if they don't show up, there will be somebody else there, but they just have this feeling that they're part of something and, and they're part of a group and that people are, you know, expecting them to be there. And it, and it gives them, we talked a bit about purpose before, and it gives them a purpose for their runs as well. That it's not just for them, other people are depending on them. So I think, um, especially for people that have a hard time getting up and going, whether it's, you know, at the crack of dawn or even later in the day, just knowing that somebody else is, is depending on you um, can, can really, not, not only get you there, but will also give you that sense of purpose. Like you're, you're helping someone else out as well. You're helping somebody to be their best selves and, and to, you know, be healthy and do something positive for themselves. And I think we, we do also, we were talking about like what we crave, you know, as humans. And I think we do want to want to help and, and, you know, not just for ourselves, but for other people. And I think maybe I'm being making a big generalization, but I think amongst women, right, we, we like to help each other and um, inspire each other, if you will. <laughs> I, I, that's what I think. So that would be my biggest advice would be to find a buddy. I mean, you don't have to even join a group or pay for it, but just find a friend and just, you know, say, commit that you're going to do, do this together. And, and it's amazing how how much, you know, more you, 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 you will actually do. That's great. And probably, you know, you look at that friend and go, Oh, I'm here because she's here. You know, if she weren't getting up at five forty-five in the morning, then I wouldn't either. And so she's really doing this. She's like a big helper for me just by being here. And then right. you turn that around to yourself and go, Oh, well, I'm a big helper to her too. Cause here I am at five forty-five, <laughs> or right. whatever it is, whenever it is. Yeah. Sometimes we forget to compliment ourselves on those things or to look at ourselves through those eyes. So I try to like look at if I'm complimenting this about, you know, somebody who I see it in and I'm doing the same thing, be sure to have that about myself. Right. I know we often, um, we're so hard on ourselves, right? And uh, we we really, um, it's it's a hard habit to break. (laughs) Self-criticism, right? Right. Right. Well, maybe we should, we should do some rituals for it, right? Yes, I absolutely <laughs> we can start by running. It doesn't have to be running, but whatever thing it is that helps us um, look at ourselves and go, Hey, nice job. Right. And, and, and not be afraid to, you know, praise yourself and, um, and do something good for yourself. Because, you know, when you, when you're happy, especially like you're a mom, um, what, what they always say, when, when mom's happy, everybody's happy. That's right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, and that's really when it goes back to what, you know, what got me into training for the marathon. Like I said, it was mostly, you know, really being self-critical of myself and not being happy with the way I looked. And that, really quickly gave way to how I felt. And it was more, the the primary goal uh, became, you know, how good I felt about myself, not just healthy, but, you know, just mentally feeling positive. And then I was just able to be 
more positive with, with my family and my daughter. In fact, my husband had gotten so annoyed with me um, post-pregnancy because I kept criticizing myself and saying, you know, how bad I was and I looked terrible and all this stuff. And he pointed out, you know, we have a daughter and those messages, you know, she, even though she's an infant and she doesn't quite understand, she's going to pick up on, on what you're putting out there. So that was another reason for running uh, was that I, you know, I want to be a positive influence and just kind of like with a group, right? And you, your friend, I mean, you know, we need to be positive influences on each other. We, we don't need to tear ourselves down or, or put that on our daughters or any other women, you know? That's great. That's great. You know, I'm running, uh, not running with my body. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm running a group now called, um, it's the Omer group and we're counting the Omer, which is we're counting 49 days between the exodus from Egypt until revelation at Sinai. And um, there, there are different themes for each week as we go through these seven weeks. And one of the weeks is foundations is the theme. And what you're saying makes me really think about foundations because one of the things we're doing in the group is looking at the foundations that we have, you know, around us that we've built our lives upon knowingly or unknowingly, but also to take a look at ourselves and see in what ways we are foundations for other people. And you just gave such a great example about, you know, our kids are watching us. (laughs) And if they're not your own kids, somebody else's kids are watching you. And it's not necessarily even in a critical way. They're not watching in a critical way. They're just watching in a well, okay, someday I'm going to be a grown up, and how do I do that? Or right now I'm still learning, you know, subconsciously. Right now I'm learning how to do this. Well, this is what my mom, dad, babysitter, teacher, whoever does. And so that's a, that becomes a foundation. And your daughter, rather than seeing you as self critical and you creating that foundation for her, you instead created this foundation of here's how a person can be physically and mentally healthy and help others to do the same. And that is beautiful. Seven. So that I feel like that number seven is very significant. Am I right in thinking that? So you have seven times seven is 49. Is there any, is, is, does that come up elsewhere? Is that? Well, it's interesting because seven, of course, is the completion, the number of completion because of the days of creation. Right, the week, yeah. And then in this case, there are seven weeks and it sort of marks the time, not sort of, it marks the time between the exodus from Egypt and arriving at Sinai and getting the Ten Commandments. Okay. The time of the barley harvest changing to the wheat harvest, so... You know, as an agricultural society back in the day, was it exactly seven weeks between the Exodus and Mount Sinai? I don't know, you know, right? The counting, who knows how they counted anything. But now there's become a practice of counting the Omer. And the Omer is that period. It actually means a sheaf of barley. Um, But it's the period between Passover and Shavuot, with Shavuot being the celebration of receiving the Ten Commandments. And wow. It's become um, a time sort of of a mystical journey also that a person can take um, in that space between Passover and Shavuot. And there are seven different themes, like I said. So like we started with the theme of loving kindness and moved to strength. And as we wrap up, we're getting into foundations, looking at the foundations in our lives. So each of the seven weeks has had a different theme until we get to 
uh, Sinai revelation, but metaphorical, right? Um, and I've sort of used it as a time for people to look at their own personal situations of what is my, so the word Egypt in Hebrew is Mitzrayim and it means narrow spaces. Okay. So what is your own personal narrow space that you need to leave behind and then get to Sinai for your own personal revelation and going through this desert period of expansion while also keeping in mind that, you know, the children of Israel are famous for being in the desert for 40 years and complaining all along the way. Yeah. Right. So we're still human. And it's like you, you get to have this beautiful revelatory, hopefully. Right, right. Of growth and expansion. But it's also still like, well, we've still got real life. And, you know, the bus is late or whatever else. Right, right. You get up at 545 where your kid has a cold or whatever it is. Right. And, you know, may those be our worst problems. Um, exactly but it's it's that time in between and just that time of a deeper developing a deeper spiritual connection with whatever you want to fill in the blank with right so with god with yourself with ritual with spirit with source with your own growth whatever that that may be for each person Esther, you come into my life, you know, just when I need you, this whole Boston Marathon thing. I don't know if you saw, I posted it on, on Facebook. I, I wrote it up and Boston Marathon kind of did it for me running through the freezing rain, which was not ideal. I never felt more present and more like I can just let things go and, you know, not worry. It's, it's going to work out. Like I don't have to push, push, push so much. So just hearing you talking about this, you know, going, leading through the desert and having this revelation, I'm like, Oh, Esther, you just pop in, you know, right when I need you. Oh, I'm so glad I could be here. You know, you're welcome to join the next Omer class. We're going to leave again and uh, leave, you know, like, leave, right, right. Leave. like on a journey going anywhere. <laughs> it's from the comfort of your own home. It's done by emails, but we're going to leave yeah. again in, uh, in June and do 49 days and you're more than welcome to come. But one of the things that I talk- that actually might be perfect for me because I've, I've decided that my summer was about clearing my plate and opening up that space so that I can allow, like, just think, I feel like I busied myself. So maybe I didn't have to think, but anyway, oh I'm sorry, gosh. I totally interrupted you. So 49 days starting in June. No, it's, it's fine. But it's so amazing that you say, you know, you busied yourself so you don't have to think not thinking is so great. Yeah. I mean, like when you when your body is so consumed by running 26 miles in the rain, then you can't think because you're just being. And I felt joyful too, even as I was getting pelted with freezing rain, the wind was practically blowing me over. I was so delighted and thinking like, I can't even freaking believe I'm doing this, first of all. And it was such a struggle to get there because I'd I had to go to Boston twice because I had to get my stuff. And then like, I almost didn't make it back for the marathon. And once I got there, even after I was standing around in mud and, you know, the old Kathy would have been so annoyed that things did not go my way. And it was a terrible day. I was just like, I'm just going to run. Like it's, it's a privilege to be here. And, you know, I, I stand out in crazy weather all the time for my class and I'll do this. And usually I have 500 thoughts in my head pretty much had one thought the whole time was like, just like you said, to just be there. And I seriously cannot ever remember another time in my adult life that I have felt like that. And my whole goal right now is to, to have more of that in my life. Um, even when I've gone like to yoga, meditation, 
done other things, uh, you know, I still have so many other thoughts. So I, I don't know, whatever the heck happened on that day in Boston, I, I need to figure out how to get it back more often. Well, and there's so many paths, right? For some people, yeah. it might be yoga. For some people, it might be meditation. And for you, it might be the Boston Marathon. Or, you know, maybe you can do another marathon before Boston again. Right, right. <laughs> to get that, maybe in the sweltering heat here in the summer of DC or something, you can still get that. Um, and for everybody, it might be something different, but I, I love talking to people to hear about the different paths that work for them. Right. I mean, what does it say about me? Maybe I just have to suffer. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I, I don't think it's the suffering. I think it was the presence. Like you just had to be, you had, you couldn't have done that marathon if you hadn't been present in the moment of the marathon. No, you really couldn't because it, marathon, like running that time and distance, it's, it's just as much mental, if not more so than, than the physical, because you can really, you can talk yourself out of it. You know, you can just, it, just like anything in life, right? You just start telling yourself how terrible something's going to be and it will be terrible. But if you really, really tell yourself that it's going to be okay and you're okay, it, you know, not always, but for the most part, things usually work out okay, you know? Well, but, first of all, anybody, any, everybody has a 100% track record of surviving everything that they've done so far. Right. So alive. <laughs> that is a very good point. Right? So, and nothing has killed us yet, and probably this won't either. You talked a minute ago, too, about um, like maybe things have to get so bad before you pay attention, or I, I don't remember your exact words, but you know, like when Moses was up there getting the Ten Commandments, what was everybody else doing? They were building the golden calf. Right. right. Because they were like, oh my gosh, this is so bad. This is so bad. And Moses is gone. This is so bad. And then like they had their lowest moment. Like they had just come out of Egypt and like just witnessed like the sea splitting and just right. like having manna fall from the sky for their sustenance, like all these miracles. But then they're like, no, there's no God. We better build a golden calf right now. The capacity that, that we have uh, in us to to do things, and then also the capacity that we have to convince ourselves otherwise. You know, that's right. Well, on that note, I want to thank you for sharing your conscious choices with us, and your rituals and practices, and your advice on how to do that, and just your story because it gives us something as a foundation or as something to relate to. Um, I love hearing other people's stories. Um, so thank you for sharing yours with us. Oh, thank you, Esther. Thank you for allowing me to share my story. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kathy as much as I did. I think she's such a wonderful person. And in a different life, maybe I would get up at five o'clock in the morning to meet her down on the mall at 545. But it's not, it's not in the cards for me right now. Maybe someday. If that is something that sounds amazing to you, as it truly does sound amazing to me, it's just not in the cards for me right now. But if you have the time to do it, go down and meet her on the mall. If you're in the D.C. area or if you're just passing through and you like to run, you want a unique and fun way to see the city, check out KathyPewRunning.com. There's a link in the show notes, as always. And just so you know, it's Kathy with a K and Pew is spelled P-U-G-H. Again, there's a link in the show notes. I'm also going to put a link in the show notes for the Omer. If our conversation sounded like something that you might want to join in with me and Kathy next time, starting in June, um, or if you're not listening to this when it airs, if you're listening to it later, there will be another group later on, 
you can go to outoftheboxjudaism.com slash omer, O-M-E-R, and read more about the program and sign up to get the information for when we're leaving. I would love to have you along. Until then, I hope you will listen to the podcast next week. Sign up for a story every week in your inbox if you haven't already. And be sure to leave a review on iTunes. Mm -hmm.